0: You're listening to IMO from Viewpoint Podcast Network, our weekly podcast is all about pop culture, teen issues, and everything in between. Hello everyone, I'm Justin Hillary. On this podcast, we'll be covering the biggest stories of pop culture and entertainment. So today, we'll discuss the power of YouTube, including its reported switch to a subscription service. Will you be willing to pay? We'll ask you to answer that question on viewpointnetwork.com a little bit later, But to kick this thing off, does being attractive mean you are more selfish? A new study published in Evolutionary Psychology has proved what you've always thought. Attractive men do tend to be more selfish. Tola Rogue writes that Brunel University, London, took 125 male and female participants and scored them on generalized attractiveness measures, and then took part in an economics experiment where they were asked to share money with someone else. All in all, it's kind of an outrageous study, but the team at IMO and Viewpoint Podcast Network went through the whole 27 pages published and found some pretty interesting points. The results found that men who were ranked as more attractive tended to be more selfish. The research also concluded that attractiveness was as important as wealth, but keep in mind this did not hold true for women. Now, this is more of a fun kickoff story. Uh, lead researcher Dr. Michael Price Warns that the research should not be taken as gospel, saying in summary that the correlation between attractiveness and selfishness was nowhere near perfect. Well, to start with, these results are a little surprising to me. Um, I'm surprised that men over women have more of a desire to be attractive over wealth because society today is pushing women towards, um, you know, the perfect body. Uh, you know, they're saying that. You have to look this way to be happy. You have to look this way uh, to get a boyfriend. And pretty much telling girls that, you know, there's only one body shape to be happy. This is a good sign because women should be happy with their bodies and not seeking after the perfect curve line. People like Jennifer Lawrence, in her interviews, she talks about how she used to be made fun of for the way she looked and that she was not confident. I mean, and look at her now. Like, she is A-lister, you know, model. She's like everyone's dream date. So, I mean, t- coming from her uh that she tells girls and everyone just to be happy with their body, to not worry about what anyone else thinks. That's kind of a big deal and that's uh it's awesome that Jennifer Lawrence is doing that. Also, you guys know Megan Trainer. Um she sings all about that base in her songs. She talks about, you know, you don't need the perfect skinny body um to be beautiful or to get a date. I mean, you just have to be confident in who you are. And I think that's really important. Um, Going back to men, I think selfish men might be more prone to spending time on how they look. Instead of looking at it as um, attractive men are selfish, um, which is the case sometimes, you could also look at it as people who are selfish are going to spend more time and money on their hair, their clothes, how they look, on their style, trying to make themselves look the best they can. I bet all of you have been introduced to that one person at a party or an event, and, you know, they look attractive, but then you talk to them and their personality totally turns you off because they're talking about themselves. And even a personality like that can totally destroy looks. If you take some celebrities that are known for their look or their work, for example, Jamie Gertz and her husband, Anthony Resler um, have donated $10 million to their foundation. $1.7 million has gone to the L.A. County Museum of Art and another 400000 to the Cedar Sinai Medical Center. A couple other famous people that you will know, Mel Gibson, George Lucas, trailing right behind, and Justin Bieber has donated to 20 charities, including Alzheimer's Association, the Children's Miracle Network Hospital, and the City of Hope. So, I think also, when you are attractive and famous, I think there is quite a lot of pressure on you to donate, just because you have you know a lot of fans looking up to you, a lot of Uh, companies that want to endorse you but people are really looking for that charity side of things not just all about the fame and the money but also about giving back and so it would really be interesting to see um, the amount of famous people that are attractive that do charity whether it's coming from their heart or whether it's coming from the pressure. In sum I do think that if you are attractive you can be more selfish but I think that also there are some good examples out there people that are both attractive and humble. Okay, now we are going to move on to our next topic. There is this little pocket in the entertainment industry that a lot of you will be familiar with now, and that is being a YouTuber. A lot of YouTubers um, that just started out posting their own content have become, you know, huge and are making a career off of their content. Tyler Oakley, Bethany Moda, you will know those household names now. But there is something in the works that might change up the definition of a YouTuber's salary. YouTube is working on a subscription service set to be released in the upcoming months. So here's the backstory. CEO Susan Wojcicki hinted the possibility of a paid subscription service last year. Now, the specifics of the YouTube service remain unknown, but of course it will be similar to subscription services like Hulu Plus, Um, considering it will be an alternative for those who don't want ads before and around their videos. In other words, it will be an ad-free experience, kind of like Spotify Premium, um, if you guys have that. The site has actually experimented with their paid subscription model, but there was seemingly no attractive content that really picked up the project. In a bit more news, that has been reported by Yahoo. Um, Yahoo is reporting that the service will start at $7.99 per month and allow users to watch videos offline. That is crazy, watching YouTube videos offline? I don't think I've ever heard of that, but the reaction has been mixed. Some people said that it definitely makes sense, while others say that they'll continue using Adblocker. But let's be clear, if you truly support a specific YouTube channel, or rather various channels, understand that your ad blocking plugins are hurting them. Questions, however, do remain about the cut for content creators. So right now, YouTubers are making careers off this. Like I said, um, the biggest ones, Tyler Oakley, Bethany Moda, Joey Graceffa, they all have four, five, six million subscribers on YouTube. That is a crazy amount, but their salary and their pay comes from ads before their videos and ads on the sidebar, and when they promote products inside their video, um, a lot of YouTubers promote The Hunt, Audible.com, stuff like that. And that is where they're making their money. So when people use Adblocker, it cuts out the ad so that they're not making their small amount of money per person on their video. So every, every time someone uses Adblocker, it does cut out a little tiny bit of their salary, but it will build up if more people do it. Also, if YouTube does go through with this new paid subscription service, that will also take away from YouTubers' pay from their ads... But in my opinion, I think YouTubers should endorse creators with the same amounts as they currently receive, or even more if YouTube is successful with it. Because if you really think about it, the YouTube stars of today are the ones that bring in the most viewing to YouTube, millions of views per video um, on these famous people's videos, and I really do think that YouTube should endorse them if they do this paid subscription service. But we want to know what you think. Um, Just like Hulu or Spotify, Do you think that you would ever pay for YouTube? Go on to viewpointnetwork.com slash polls and tweet us at imopodcast with your thoughts. Sticking on the YouTube subject, the question today that a lot of people are asking is how successful can you get on YouTube? Everyone is always so interested regarding how much YouTubers make, and the reality is any number you see online is usually highly inflated. As a viewer, I think it's important to understand the economics of YouTube. DG Day has an awesome article about the comedy trio called The Clunes, which is linked in the show notes um, at viewpointnetwork.com IMO. The Clunes have over 217,000 subscribers, which is a lot, and they create two comedy sketches a month, which translates into approximately 460,000 monthly video views. And if you really think about it, that is a lot, because 460,000 people um, a month are viewing their videos. Now those numbers seem pretty impressive, yet the three friends have yet to make it a full-time gig. The DGDay article goes into detail regarding their baseline YouTube ad revenue. With the help of some analytics, the clunes are said to make approximately $1,000 each and every month, with YouTube's cut in the ball range of $2,400. This is a very good example of some YouTubers that have been going at it for maybe five years now, and they're still not able to make a full-time job out of it. The thing with YouTube is there are over a million people that um, are part of the partnership making money with YouTube, and literally every single person who puts content on YouTube wants to eventually uh, get popular and make a career out of it, unless they're just doing it for fun. But still, I feel like a lot of people have the desire to make it a career. I do, myself. But the reality of the entertainment industry is you really gotta love it, and you really gotta put a lot of time and effort before you expect to make any payoff of it. And that's the hard part because a lot of people, you know, they're going to say, oh, I'm going to start YouTube, I'm going to stick with it. But maybe after a year or half a year, they get discouraged and they don't want to post anymore because uh, they don't see the benefits or they don't have a lot of friends who do it. Um, But that's also good for the clunes that, you know, there's three of them so that they can kind of support each other through it. But um, another thing that can kind of discourage them is, again, the money. And in the article, it says the Clunes, you know, they've done so many side jobs, and they still are trying to make, you know, enough money to support themselves while still uh, finding the time to do YouTube. So the real question is, if you want to do YouTube, how do you make yourself stand out? To make a video go viral, and that's where you'll start picking up subscribers and uh, more views and stuff, but you really got to offer something new, a new. A new comedy video... Um, a new subject. I have some video ideas that I'm working on that um, people haven't done yet, so it's really all about being yourself and finding something new that no one else has offered. A lot of you probably know of our next topic. If you recall the show Chelsea Lately, if you don't, it was an American late-night comedy show hosted by Chelsea Handler on the E! Network. So even before the finale of Chelsea Lately, Chelsea Handler has publicly badmouthed her network E!, but it only seems to be heating up. (sighs) Handler signed with Netflix last summer, and on stage at the Code Media Conference, she slammed her old, seven-season-running E-series, saying, quote, I'm so much smarter than the show was, and I wanted to be doing a show that was smarter than I was. Okay, Chelsea, shots fired, calm down. (laughs) But she continues by saying how at E, she did what she wanted and didn't listen because she didn't care what they say and didn't respect their opinions. That's pretty forward to say on stage. Uh, pretty crazy. But this does have a happy ending, though. She then rambled on about how at Netflix, she feels as though the company is similar to a guy you're proud to be seen with. Good analogy there. Um, she does have a new talk show coming up in 2016. Quote, it's going to be having a healthy mix of everything in stand-up specials. But the thing is, when you are under the spotlight... You're a celebrity, all your fans are looking up to you. The last thing you want to have is negative attention, and I think this is what Chelsea did to herself. You know, even if you're not happy with a company or someone you worked for, if you're working in the entertainment industry, like I said, the last thing you want is a negative light shown on yourself. This might cause a lot of drama in the future, and who knows, if she doesn't like Netflix and something happens with that, she could do the exact same thing and badmouth them um, I think if you're a celebrity and you have a feud with someone or a company, I think you should have your manager or your publicist deal with it, because you really don't want all that negative attention. Um, if you guys recalled the Iggy Azalea and Papa John's issue, um, how you know Iggy ordered pizza, and the guy got her number and gave it out to his cousins and friends, and they all started texting Iggy and calling her nonstop, and she got into a big uh, Twitter feisty thing, and she was tweeting Papa John's and saying... Uh, You guys don't respect customer privacy and all this stuff, and um, you know, a lot of people who were reporting on that, and I agree myself, is that she should have had her manager, her publicist, deal with that so that she wasn't getting like all the negative drama and all that stuff. So yeah, moral of the story, if you have an issue with someone, uh, deal with it behind the scenes and uh, don't inflate the drama. For our final story, a lot of you guys know that the Oscars were just last weekend. Um, A lot of good performances. Lady Gaga slayed it. Oh my gosh. But now that the Oscars are over, it's time to analyze the speeches. Um, So a recent study by Vocative analyzed over 1.3 thousand acceptance speeches given at the Oscars and concluded that five notable Hollywood personalities trumped God in being mentioned more in speeches. The study concluded that the Academy is thanked in 43% of all speeches, with parents being thanked second at 28%. However, the most thanked person in Oscar history is no other than film director Steven Spielberg, with God being thanked only 19 times. That's kind of crazy. One person being thanked the most, even over God? Like, uh, that's really crazy. Um, But then again, you got to look at Steven Spielberg's record and everything he's done. Um, And he must be a nice guy. I haven't met him myself, but I'm sure he must be a nice guy to get all those uh, positive reviews in acceptance speeches. Um, But it must mean, you know, on set, he must be really helpful and encouraging. And also just his record, you know, crazy amount of Oscar-winning films and all this stuff. I think definitely Steven Spielberg deserves it. But also, when celebrities talk about God in Hollywood, I think it's low-key. For the celebrities that do have a faith like that, I think Hollywood is the hardest place to share that just because of criticism, and like, again, it's all about the eyeballs, so many eyeballs on them, they don't want to start anything, so I think I think more people would thank God in their speeches if it wasn't for the pressure. I'm Justin Hillary. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at ItJustinDoe, and my YouTube is youtube.com slash doe. if you want to check that out. Um, and all my social medias are also on viewpointnetwork.com slash Justin H. Subscribe to our show and check out our show notes at viewpointnetwork.com slash IMO and tweet the show at IMO Podcast with your thoughts or questions. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on IMO.